0: Did you just hear that loud crash? Yes. So, hey, Gunner, how are you doing?
1: All right, man. How are you?
0: Great, great. So, I saw this cool uh, LinkedIn post from uh, John Janik. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so, basically, let me tell you the the, uh, the hashtags, uh, the keywords here. So, we got AI,
1: hmm.
0: we got GSA. hmm We have open source licensing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, hey, it's, it's, uh, hey, John, how'd you like to get on the show? So Shazam, here he is. So John, welcome to the show. Long time listener, first time caller.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. It was when you, when you wrote me that note, I was like, oh yeah, of course I'm going to be on DG show. Of course.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It'll never happen. (laughs) But your dreams came true. I know.
2: You just got to do the right thing for the community, right? Mm-hmm. yeah exactly
1: yeah. right and and you got to hit on on our on our three favorite topics right? the try the, the, the trifecta right yeah that's right <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep well i i knew when i was when we were starting this project that i i we kind of had this epiphany moment where i was like okay we're how do, do we i get on
0: the dave and gunner show
2: that's exactly how i, I was like how do i work this <laughs> I, <was> like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I have a
1: plan that's great well we're glad you're here
0: yeah, yeah. so so let's let's go the whole way back it's like what 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 happened was there like a gsa put an ad in the paper for an ai or or what 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 happened here
2: yeah so they kind of did um i'm trying to remember how i first saw it uh so first off i'm the in my role at dev technology i'm the chief technologist here right so i'm i'm responsible for kind of uh stirring pots and and annoying people and kind of doing all the things that us chief technologist types do. And so one of the things that that I've really been kind of focused on is uh, this, this, how do we work with the government to make the government work better, right? And, of course, AI is, is a big part of that conversation. So I, I've been kind of scouring things. And as I recall, one of two things happened. Either I was on LinkedIn one day and I saw a post by uh, Keith Nakasoni over at GSA saying, hey, we've got a new challenge up. You should go check it out. Or I was just randomly trawling the challenge.gov board, and I noticed it. both are entirely possible, and I don't remember which way it went at this point. But uh, but what ended up happening is that when I was reading it, I was like, well, this is perfect, right? This is exactly the kind of work that, that I was looking at when I was over at the State Department, and our new technical director for AIML comes from this background. So it was just a, a perfect alignment for skills and a real opportunity to just dig in and show the government what we can actually do when we apply AI. I think one of the things that's really interesting for me is is plus, because it was a challenge, it's all transparent. And, yes. and that's also got such huge value for me because here at last, you know, the government's working with been working with AI for decades, right? They, they don't talk a lot about it, but they have it. And here at last, we finally have an example where it's out in the open, we can really put it out there. We can discuss it. We can talk about other the other teams that, that applied in, in the top three and what worked and what didn't work, and we can really have kind of that fulsome conversation. So I'm just excited. It was great.
0: So what did they actually ask for? What did, what yeah, did
2: they- yeah. so this was, um, this was a follow-up to another challenge that they had run, gosh, I guess about a year ago. So what they ended up asking for is they said, hey, look, we have all of this paperwork that we're constantly having to shuffle. And one of the biggest problems with the way we do our business is the the vendors we deal with are constantly leveraging these end user licenses with us in order to affect legal obligations on the government. Well, if you've worked, you you both worked with government, you know, the government doesn't like obligating itself legally when it doesn't have to. Right. And so they said, how how might we effectively accelerate the review of these end-user license agreements in order to expedite our contracting, right? Because these things uh, in the actual challenge, it says normal review for a EULA is something like 14 days. And in my experience, that's actually fast, right? Mm -hmm. So you're talking about 14 days of review just for somebody to give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down on being able to move forward with the software procurement. And this you can see as being a huge bottleneck when you compound it with the number of times that the discussions happen between the government with different vendors, right? What are the big blockers to getting new vendors into government, right? If everybody's having to wait for this two-week review, two-plus-week review, just to get your software in the door, how are you ever going to get the time and attention? So they said, well, how might we use AI to accelerate this? So that was was kind of what they were trying to do. They were trying to figure it out. They gave – and the other thing was that they gave a very short window on – on what you could do and when you could do it by, right? So they said, we want a couple of things, right? We're not asking for anything fancy. We want to be able to execute it from a shell, right? So you had to be able to write some bash commands. Bonus points if you could put a web interface around it, right? Um, and then you, we wanted you to be able to make sure that at the end of this process, all of your materials were released back to the government. So again, that, uh, that transparency is is really critical to the conversation. So uh, So like I said, I saw it. Um, and I, and I really, the more I dug into it, it was like, this is perfect. Pitch it over to our our tech director for AIML. He thought the same thing and and we were off to the races.
1: That's great. And so, and so to, because, so this is a, it, would it be fair to characterize this as like a coaching system for procurement officers? In other words, this AI Mm -hmm. is not like making the decisions itself. It's it's uh yeah replacing yeah. placing
0: somebody or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah that's right
1: It's like because yeah it's not like we're going to feed this thing a eula and then it's going to start making paper clips, right it's 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 going to be <laughs> it's going to be it's it's a it's a system that will help uh procurement officers lawyers understand like is this it, are there potentially problems with this contractual language or is this or does this look pretty normal
2: yeah right so yeah, this is like the big AI conversation, right? Where is AI most effective? It's effective when it's most oftentimes used as an assistant to a human being, mm-hmm. right? And so the whole purpose of this AI was to help help your contracting officers, help your legal staff, and say, okay, what is fine here and what do I really need to be paying attention to? Mm-hmm. And so the, the whole thing looks at, like most of these uh, language-based a- uh, AIs, you know, what is normal and what is not. And computers are incredibly good at picking out those patterns, right? And so it can say, hey, based on our data that you've given to us, which was created by the GSA, right, that was part of the challenge. Here's our data. Here's what we've done. You tell us how you, we can use this in an AI system. Um, based on that data, you know, it looks at a EULA and it says, hey, there's a really good chance that most of this is fine. And here's a couple of spots that you probably want to pay closer attention to. So the the whole purpose of it. And so you're always going to have human beings who are like, I don't trust computers. I'm going to go through and I'm going to read each one of these clauses anyway, just because, and you're going to have people like me, who are going to be like, wow, you took care of 80% of what I needed to do for me. So now I can focus on the things I really need to focus on, which are these little clauses around particulars that I need to pay attention to because they're not normal. They don't conform to the expected architecture. Right.
1: So how, do, how does the system come to understand what's normal?
2: What's normal, what's not normal is the basis of, of a lot of research, right? And so the product that we built is based on the research and some of the modeling that Google did, right, which is based on BERT, right? So this is this is an analysis engine that's based on the entire English language. So it's incredibly robust, it's incredibly effective. And then on top of that, what we did is we applied the training set and what's called our hyperparameter set to help narrow down the, the likeness barriers, right? So there's a number of different mathematical Uh, attributes to assess effectiveness when you're talking about like language processing and and how close it is. Um, One of the things that GSA was looking at were F-scores. There's a couple of other measures that if you go into our, our technical paper, again, this is the other great thing, all of the technical papers for all of the submissions are available online. You can actually go and see The actual math, not technically the math, but the results of the algorithms being run and what the results were, Um, one of the things that that we did was we tweaked based on our our statistical analysis and our pattern matching analysis in order to create the right responses, right? So we put those hyperparameters in, and on top of the BERT model, we actually then built a dedicated 493 megabyte uh, TensorFlow model essentially that bert model that then sits on top of it that helps specifically designed for the contract language.
1: Oh, I see. So you have like kind of a generic uh you have a generic thing that turns turns words into numbers and mm-hmm. then on top of that then you then you start teaching it about uh your particular problem set specifically. Is that yep. a fair way of putting it? Okay.
2: Yeah, right. right. It's like building blocks, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. And those building blocks were um what are good examples of, of, uh, license agreements, or is that the way
2: it worked? Uh, but good and bad. So, okay. so, and, 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 you know, so it's interesting, right? So when you really get into it, um, there were good and bad examples. And even the, even it's really interesting because this actually brings out some of the conversations we have around, uh, around training data in general, right? So, basic premise of data and data management, garbage in, garbage out, right? So even in the training data, and this is one of the things Josh did that actually helped improve our scoring somewhat, we didn't just take the training data at face value. We we actually did some analysis of the training data, and we found that there were a couple of training data entries that were like entire EULAs that had just been jammed into one entry, right? And of course, you can't make any assessment off of that. So you have to you know so you have to be able to identify these things where there are obviously variances in the data profile that just won't work and you have to talk about it right So you know if there you know one of the things that that I think if there's a follow on to that conversation it's that it's wrapped up in the data management details right it's, ma- it's it's how we look at these training sets, curate the training sets, make sure the training sets are complete, accurate, and reflect what we're actually trying to measure. You know, in some cases in the training data we had an entire EULA that had been jammed into one of the entries. So I think when we're looking at, you know, how do we maintain the integrity of these systems, to your point, how do we make sure that the AI is really being effective in its mm-hmm. role as as an accelerator, as an assistant? It's it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we're doing everything we can to both make sure that the baseline is good as well as the articulation of the evolution over time, right? So one of the things you'll see in our solution that, that I was really proud of was that, uh, you know, Josh took the time to build in a continuous learning, continuous iteration, right? So in any assessment, especially done through the web page, you can assess whether or not a clause, whether the machine was right or not. You could say that's mm-hmm. right or that's wrong or I, I don't know. And it continues to build the training set. And this is really where if the more data we provide to this system, the more uh, effective it will become. And you can even imagine a day where it, it is accurate enough um, where you're not even really having to think about it a whole lot. It's just saying, okay, you know, it's, it's run with such accuracy for so long that the chance of an outlier becomes statistically insignificant.
1: So I'm guessing that... Uh... Now, I'm not saying that the procurement system is arbitrary and capricious. I would never <laughs> I would never accuse it of that, but it has been it has happened in the past that two procurement officers would look at the same terms and come to widely different conclusions about about yeah. each one right um and so did, in this uh in this initial training set that you had mm-hmm. um were there duplicate or conflicting entries, or were these yep. kind of like canonical answers? Oh, they would, they no, were there,
2: okay. there, there, there were there were some occasions where there were conflicting opinions on the same clause. Okay, um, and again, right, that's to be expected. It's normalized out of the data, right? So, so, so here's the interesting thing, right? So you put two contracting officers in the same room together and give them the same eula, and they're going to come up with entirely different opinions, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but if we it, well, here's the interesting you know thought exercise, and I, and I haven't done this, but I think it would be really interesting if you gave them ten thousand use cases and said, here is what the data shows. How does this impact your opinion? Mm -hmm. I bet you they would come out of that room much closer uh, than, than they did, than they would have otherwise. That's kind
1: of where I'm going with my, with my question is that it sounded like this could also be a tool for driving some consistency in the decision making as opposed to, Mm, yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and, and from a procurement, I mean, so here's where I really get passionate about this. And this is one of the reasons why I did it with the software licenses you know, I was a contracting officer at one point in my career. Um, it wasn't, you know, I didn't write unlimited warrants or anything like that. I wasn't spending money like it was going out of style. But um, I, I took it seriously. I took those responsibilities seriously. And I think when we look at how does contracting happen, especially around digital goods and services, these kinds of tools matter, right? Because it becomes such a conversation around the 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 legal wrangling, you know, the EULAs and the use agreements and the terms of the contract, because there's, it's the only place you can, you can really kind of specify the value of the good. It's not like a commercial item. Hmm. Uh, And, and so I, from my perspective, I just see this as having, and I got really excited about it because I just was like, this is amazing. You can, you can just imagine how positive the impact for the entire government could be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, Reading about possible other here, I'm here. I'm now. Now I'm full. I'm fully whiteboarding now. But but if the, but if we think about, um, it sounds like it would be entirely possible to take a system like this, give it a slightly different training set. For example, rental agreements. Mm-hmm. And if you were given a rental agreement, you could feed it to the machine, and it would tell you like, nope, this looks mostly okay. Or oh, this clause about raccoons is really unusual, and you probably <laughs> ought to take a closer look. Right.
2: Yeah, there's no, I mean, like, that's, that's right. Non-disclosure is a great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any time where there's there's variance and where you can authoritatively say, you know, based on past data, this is or is not acceptable. Like, there's just applicability across the board. And what's really interesting is, uh, you know. <laughs> A, a recent CSO uh, award in the, to the tune of like $9 million went to a very big firm for something that is not entirely different than what we did as part of this open source challenge. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting things happening in this space. I'm excited for it. I'm glad to see it. Um, one of the things that I think, you know, Gunnar, to your point is we need better contracting systems that make the training part of doing the job. Right. So when, when I when I say that, what I mean is that for this exercise, somebody literally had to go through and assess all of these different clauses and build this data, and that was a lot of time, effort, and energy. But if we actually made the assessment as part of the contract file as the procurement action was happening, mm-hmm. right? Now we've got something that's really amazing because we're we're generating data as we do our activity. And that's where these things were. How does AI actually matter? Right. So so if we started using a tool like this to accelerate EULA agreements, to cut it from 14 days down to two or down to one. Right. And then use that extra time to say, OK, now let's now let's go build a widget into our contract management system so that. At the end of it, we can say yes, this was acceptable, or no, this wasn't. And start capturing that data. Now you've got kind of this self fulfilling prophecy, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just really good stuff that's reinforcing itself.
1: That's great.
2: That's great.
1: So, what was the uh, what was the hardest thing about uh, what was the hardest thing about getting this getting this running? Was it was it just, was it
2: training? Yeah, uh, schedule. No, the training <laughs> data was provided by GSA. I mean, so again, props to cannot props to GSA. I mean, this was such a an effective use of a challenge. If any other agency ever wants to know how to effectively do challenges, this GSA challenge provided all of the data, created an effective challenge statement, time-boxed it so that you couldn't just run as long as you needed to, right? Uh, and they were transparent about what the conditions were for evaluation,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? Fantastic challenge across the board. So, you know, I think that, the challenge wasn't the training data that was all done going into the challenge i mean and i agree with you i think that getting that data was a huge lift mm-hmm. so it, it cannot be discounted um but the but the challenge for us specifically was <laughs> writing an app in a month that actually did that actually did something productive, right? And it's it's funny, right? Because we we spend so much time, effort, and energy talking about how amazing digital transformation is, and how it's like boom, done, right? I snap my fingers, and now I'm the now I'm the Wizard of Oz, and you've got an amazing <laughs> transformation, right? And right, and you both know that like that's just not how it happens. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. yeah. That's
2: right. So
0: what what was the end result? Was there like like a Cadillac Eldorado and steak knives or, or, or like, did, was there like an award ceremony or, or like, and I'd love to hear about that. And then also what have you learned from the other people that submitted?
2: Yeah. So, uh, given GSA's past with providing food for people, I'm glad they didn't. Um, (laughs) so, so there were no $14 muffins. There was, there was no crazy steak dinner. Um, in this particular case, uh, there were three. There was a first place, and then a second and a third place winner. Um, and all of the submissions were great. Uh, so you know, we were kind of looking at them, and, and we were impressed with all all of the the, the teams that submitted. Um, first place ended up winning fifteen thousand dollars. Second place was twenty five hundred. Third place was twenty five hundred. Right, mm-hmm. so. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of money, but it, it, it was more than table stakes. You know, you can, you can you know, go with that money and you can say we did something. For us, for dev, it was more about proving in a transparent way. So this is the problem that we often see, and I'm sure a lot of other integrators and developers see this too. Um, how often do you actually get to talk about the work you do for the government? Yes. Right? Right.
0: Oh, you're not allowed, but here it's public record. Right.
2: Exactly not not just public record but it's a, it's like required like you have to <laughs> yeah. every single submission in that challenge had to be pushed to github right yeah. so mind blowing right it's just an, an entirely different model of operating and, and it was just fantastic because now we can go we can go and we can say look we do know ai ml right here's an example of how we can accelerate mm-hmm. your business processes using ai ml so we're not we're not just making this stuff up. We're 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 not a you know not like hey give me your credit card and we'll be happy to spin you up something in 30 days, right? That's yeah. just not how it rolls. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what did you learn from the other uh, nominees?
2: <clears throat> yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about Bert. Uh, Bert was a was a bootstrap for um, some of the submissions. Some of the other submissions tried to cut it from whole cloth. Uh, I think one of the things that, that I learned was there's a really big difference between, uh, out of the box, throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks and actually having SMEs who know the field and actually, so, so again, kind of going back to Josh's background and his expertise, uh, you know, we're very lucky to have him on staff. He's a phenomenal asset. He's been working with all of our clients kind of on these different things and, um his background you know he trained in ai at stanford he's got a deep background in this stuff comes from the commercial sector where he was doing natural language processing for a long time and so for him this was like yeah it's 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 interesting i haven't done contract stuff before and so he was able to kind of really dig into it it's it's his hyperparameterization it's his ability to understand you know okay which nuts and bolts do we need to tweak to really get it moving from a factory mustang into a shelby right um Mm -hmm. that that made the difference right so so that's kind of what i learned looking at you know the different entries they were all great stuff but without a doubt um you know i don't think we would have we would have done what we did um if we if we hadn't had josh Um, some of the other folks uh, having a diversity on the team made a huge difference we actually assembled a full team for this so josh was the tech lead uh, Sherry Elliott was our PM and she did a lot of the testing and assessment project schedule and stuff like that. Did retros phenomenal job. Um, Michael Odiebo did our front end stuff. Uh, I think he did it all in react. So, you know, he, he had a chance to kind of dig into that. Um, and then Zach was doing a lot of the infrastructure work with Narup Ganshkar, right? So, so we put a whole team together and we said, look, here's the challenge statement the GSA set out. Go solve it. hmm. hmm.
1: That's great. Nice. That's great. Um, and I'll just go here on record, saying that uh, you guys deserved uh, uh, to get the award. Uh, my 500 megabytes of if then statements were clearly not up to snuff tonight. <laughs> I now I now realize that I made I made a category error uh, when I when I applied for the challenge. So anyway, congratulations, nice work, nice work. Yeah,
0: and and John, like what you said too about having the subject matter expertise. One part of it is the AI part of it, but like your expertise in terms of the contracting world probably helped out a lot, too, where, you know, like if, if you just had people in off the street that didn't have the domain expertise, you oh, could yeah. end up with, uh, you know, totally just meaningless
2: results. I pre- Thanks, Dave. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I think it's um I think it's up to people like me to say this matters. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh it's interesting when we get into these kinds of conversations, because it's easy to say, Really? I mean, come on. We could be doing so much other different things. You know, SpaceX is using a to land rockets on floating platforms. Right. It's like, yeah, but, you know, what's the low hanging fruit here? Right. Yeah. You know, that's exciting. And that's that's super incredible. Like Will Roper's building airplanes in in no place just to see how they fly. Right. Um, that's cool. And I wish I could do it. But you know what? There are two million federal civilian employees who go to work every single day to deliver services to the taxpayer, and the reality is they need help, right? Yep. So this kind of stuff isn't isn't super glamorous, uh, but for me it matters, right? Because if we can get that contract action s- shorter, then that means that Will Roper can get the software he needs to build digital airplanes digitally in a digital environment, right? <laughs> right? Um, so you know, so it, it, it matters. It matters. It matters. In a huge way, right? And that's and that's across the board. I think, um, you know, there's there's a problem that we have in government in that we've been too laser focused on IT monetization as a technical problem, and it's a business problem, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it takes it from this little narrow wedge of CIO type stuff to all of a sudden now we're talking about budgets and CBJ and appropriation and obligation and execute, right? I mean, like the whole train of how do we actually spend IT money in government? And the problem is we keep coming back to the technical people and we keep saying, oh, this is obviously, we'll just throw TBM on top and get rid of CPIC, right? And, you know, we'll just do this and we'll just do that and we'll throw FISMA and FITARA. And it's like, no, right? Until we actually start looking at this as a a business problem. How do we run the business of government, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, We're always going to be fighting uphill. So from my perspective, it starts with doing the, the boring stuff like making EULA's work better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, Yeah. You're making me realize I I like this idea of uh, not thinking about IT or not thinking about modernization as an IT concern, but actually as a, as a whole business concern, uh, which makes perfect sense. Um, uh, this is true, not just for government. This is also true on the commercial side as well, right? When we talk about digital transformation, it's kind of necessarily a business conversation as well as a, a kind of a narrow IT conversation. Um, and i feel like do you feel like the sea changed there uh back in uh, let's say 2012 with the whole open government push for me anyway that it feels like that's when the that's when there suddenly there was a ton of energy going into these kind of uh this kind of government transformation kind of projects and now it seems we're still kind of uh we're still watching that play out now um even (laughs) almost 10 years later right
2: yeah, it's it's so interesting perspective. I don't know if you guys follow the the UN. So the UN does these two year surveys of digitization in government. Hmm. Super interesting survey. The United States has slowly but surely been losing spots every single year since two thousand and eight uh-huh. or so, right? So it's fascinating in that we have gotten into this cycle of you know really getting wrapped around the axle on on what does it mean to to digitize and you know, there's, I think, an intention and a purpose to try and do the right thing. But the idea is, well, if they just follow my process, then this will all go faster. Right. So the answer is always to add more process. And that's not actually the truth. The truth is to take those processes away. Right. And to really enable and empower um, when you look at the countries that are doing really well on those surveys, both the current survey that just got released this year and the previous survey in 2018, right? It's, it's the, the typical ones you would expect, right? Scandinavian countries, right? Denmark, right? Great Britain, right? But if you look at what they're doing and how they're doing it, just so fascinating and so very different than the way we're approaching things in the U S. So I think that it's from that whole business perspective and modernization in terms of how we look at things in the U S there's a, there's a lot to do there. You know, we, we need to understand that um, we, we, were in our, we were in a good place and we've allowed ourselves to get kind of encumbered. And we need to really focus on what are the outputs that we're seeking and how do we drive those outputs rather than um, what are the processes that we need to put in place to do that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I don't know, John, it's easier to talk about process uh, from my point of view. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> it feels like the solution is just one white paper away, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's all fixed.
2: You know, it's always it's always on the next bill, right? We just need to. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, and that's and that's not entirely fair. I mean, you know, I think it's important to also say that, uh, you know, we're we're at a point in time too in, in the country where there's just there's a lot going on. We've got a lot of different technologies. We've got a lot of different things happening. So, you know, it, it, it's a big country, right? The fact that we were ever in the top spot says a lot about the U S as a technology leader. Yeah. I think, I think we should shoot to be in the top spot again. I mean, like it, from, from my perspective, it matters. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So what's next? Um, we published, so we were awarded last week, I think, uh, we published everything out there. I, you know, I one of the things that I really like about this is, so my dream, so John's big dream is, a an AI driven contract management system, right, right, where where from from the moment, you know, because a lot of this thing, people don't understand that these procurement actions, a lot of these times, start in the head of somebody in government when they're like a GS twelve, right? <laughs> right, and and if they're lucky you know, two years later, when they've made it to GS 13, 14, 15, and something like that, they finally get into a position where they're able to find just a little bit of end of year money to get the project started. Um, and what I would really like to see uh, is is a is a better way to start talking about these things, um, a better way to start managing these things. Um, and and there's, just, there's just opportunities all around us to, to do that kind of work. But but I think from, you know, so, so that's kind of the, the, the vision. I think more tactically, Dave, um, I'm happy to release it to the public. Uh, I'm a big believer, you know, we've talked about this a long, a long time. Open source is empowering, right? So my hope is people will take a look at what we did. Maybe they'll use it. Maybe they won't. Um, maybe they'll learn something. You know, maybe they won't. But at the minimum... We raised awareness, and we've put something out there for folks to consider, and uh, it can be integrated with other platforms. It can be pulled in in other ways. It can be run as a standalone environment. It, it's really, you know, that's the great thing about open source, right? You just say, here's what we've done. It's amazing. We love it. We'd like you to love it, too.
1: That's great. That's great. Thanks for making the world just a little bit better, John. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> especially this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> that's right. I, I think...
2: My, yeah, it's my State Department roots, right? You know, <laughs> make 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 the world a little bit better. If I can make the world a little bit better, then I consider it a good year. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's great. Well, cool. So, I know we talked about a lot of things, John. Um, but what, where should we send people uh, to uh, get the links to the blog posts that, that triggered this whole workflow with us talking here today? And and uh, the, the links to the GSA Challenge and uh, everybody else that, that contributed, where should we send them?
2: Uh, so uh, dgshow.org, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, that's where you guys are hosting all the, the notes for the and, – and we're going to, I guess, put all the notes or the links up there. Okay. Um, you can also go to challenge.gov and do a search for GSA AI. It'll pop up at the top of the list. Um, you can also go to our website, devtechnology.com. And you'll find the blog post there about – about. actually, the article is there as well. It's on my LinkedIn profile. You guys can find me at uh, Janek, J-A-N-E-K. I'm one of the few Janeks on LinkedIn. So people are more than welcome to, to look there too. So there's a couple of different places.
0: Well, thanks, John, for joining us. This is this is really awesome. This is red meat for our uh, demographics. So uh, thanks for telling us this whole story.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah we didn't – unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to dig into the actual – Documents, but I will say this: for a lot of the folks listening, go download it, right? Mm-hmm. Don't don't. So here's the big thing about open source, right? Don't take my word for it. Go spin it up, right? If you really want to be helpful, actually, if, if you're interested and you can you want to write this for OpenShift, write a write a con, you know a container for OpenShift. Let me know. We'll we'll get you hooked up. We're talking about doing a Docker file to make it easier to spin up, but like don't take my word for it. You can go read the blog post and like ah this guy's full of it, right? Go do it yourself
1: great that's great i'm gonna do that right now yeah yeah what, are, what else am i gonna to do tonight Yeah, this has been great. put on a
2: pot of coffee yeah all right all right yeah it's been Thank it's john. been great yeah absolutely i i i love uh i love these conversations anytime we can help move the needle
1: yeah great all right thanks john yep thanks see you later